iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Apple Store Soho. How's everybody feeling tonight? There we go. There we go. That's what I like to hear. Wonderful. Well, this is our second event this evening, uh, part of our Tribeca Film Festival series and our partnership with IndieWire. We're very excited about this coming week. A lot of great things coming up. Uh, I'd like to introduce really quick to the stage a friend of ours from IndieWire. So ladies and gentlemen, please, a round of applause for Basil. Thanks a lot. Um, so uh, I, I'm here, um, the, this series is the, just the beginning, uh, today was the beginning of the series uh, of talks that IndieWire puts together with uh, the Apple Store, Soho, uh, bringing multiple filmmakers that are uh, from the Tribeca Film Festival to you to be able to have a chance to ask questions. Um, so it, it runs through the, in, through the end of Tribeca, which is on uh, May 2nd, so definitely come back. Uh, today we had a, a panel earlier about producers uh, in New York City talking about sort of the state of production right now, uh, and you know, we're going to be continuing through the rest of uh, through the, rest of the the festival. Um, for those of you that don't know, IndieWire is a website that is uh, that connects films, uh, filmmakers, uh, fans, and industry. Uh, it, it provides reviews, information about films and release. It focuses on independent films. You should definitely check it out. Um, uh, that said, we really want to thank Apple for uh, for joining with us to do this series. We we really appreciate the relationship we have with them. Um, and without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from IFC, Matt Singer. Phone. Ah, there we go. Hi. How's everybody doing? One person is doing well. I'm excited to hear that from this one person right here. All right, well, let's bring everybody out. Are we ready to talk a little Where the Gonzo, everyone? All right, well, let's bring the director, writer and director out first. I see him standing right over there. The gentleman's name is Brian Goloboff. Let's give him a round of applause. All right, we also have uh, quite a few uh, stars of the film are with us tonight, Brian. Yeah. We had to bring in extra chairs for this uh, for the for the for the talk. Let's bring them out. Do you do you have an order that you prefer to introduce them? They're all equals. Well, why doesn't everyone come up at once and we'll just give everyone's name? We've got Ezra Miller, Zoe Kravitz, Jesse McCartney, James Urbaniak. Everybody's here. Round of applause. There's everyone. Thank you guys. How are you? Hi. How's everybody doing? How you guys doing? Did anyone, the premiere was last night, correct? Did anyone get to see the movie? That's Brian's family. Yeah. Awesome. Your family? They haven't disowned you. That's the first step. No disowning is a, that's a good sign. If it was really quiet, then that would have been super awkward. Well, we'll tell people later how. Mom, dad, not even you. There's more showings, and people can find out when to go see uh, later on. But So a lot of people haven't gotten to see the movie yet. They got to see the clip. Why don't we explain sort of uh, what the rest of the movie is about and how it relates to that clip we just saw. The movie is about uh, Ezra's character, Gonzo Gilman, who gets kicked off the school newspaper, which is run by Jesse's character, Gavin Riley. And they have a little bit of a personality conflict. And Gonzo starts his own underground newspaper with some of the more sort of unfortunate misfits in the school. And they put out a first issue that gains some traction, and it brings out uh, a lot of other misfits who want to join the rebellion. And I think I was reading, and I didn't know this when I saw the film, that it's, it's based on something that happened to you in your own high school life. It did. Can you tell us about that? It was very similar. I also was uh, 
not very welcome on my school paper, and I decided to uh, start my own, and I got in a lot of trouble and had a lot of fun and decided to write about it and hope people would have fun with it, too. So it is pretty autobiographical. It then. is. Yeah. How, how, I mean, how long were you kind of waiting to tell this story, and was it something that uh, you've always wanted to or something that more recently you said, you know, I think maybe I should go back and tell this story? I, I wasn't thinking about it that much, but uh, in my own life, the editor of the paper was somebody that uh, I felt had wronged me, and when I did this paper, it, it got increasingly mean, and finally I sort of wronged her, possibly out of proportion to how she, you know, what she did to me, and I felt bad about it all these years, and uh, I called her maybe three or four years ago, and you know, it's maybe 20 years later, and I said, uh, do you know who this is? And she said, I would know that voice anywhere. That is Brian F. Ngalyevov. I said, that's right. And I said, uh, you know, it's really stayed with me that I did this act of viciousness to you. And I know I apologized then. I'd like to apologize now. And, uh, you know, I really didn't need to do that to you. And she said, well, I've been thinking about that moment, too, because I really didn't need to do that to you. So I said, wow, that's interesting. You know, this is a big turning point for both of us in our lives, you know. And I said, uh, does that mean we're friends now? She goes, I will always hate your guts. I said, me too. Very comfortable. <laughs> but I thought, you know, if it was that big a moment for both of us, you know, movies are, are good when they're about those times in your life where you change and you grow. And I thought, let me start exploring this. And then somehow I turned out to look like him and, you know, have Zoe in there. And, you know, it worked I out can, great for me. I can see the resemblance. Absolutely. It's, it's eerie. It is eerie. It is eerie. eerie. Like looking, looking into a forward-looking mirror then, yeah. right here. Exactly, exactly. Sort of a funny mirror. Yes. Mm -hmm. my, wife, my wife found it hilarious when <laughs> she said, the ball's on you to get him to play your character. But it's my fantasy life. Now, for the, uh, the younger members of our cast here, I'm sure... Yes, James, I'm referring to you. <laughs> now, all, I'm, you know, I'm sure all you guys, you know, auditioning or getting offered parts in a lot of movies about teenagers, you know, films set in high schools, that sort of stuff. What separates, you know, them when you're preparing for a, a film or a part, when you're reading the scripts, when you're going into audition, what makes, you know, a project like this one, one where you say, oh, I want to be a part of it? Ezra, maybe we can start with you. Uh, definitely the writing um, and all these alternative and new elements coming into the old time-honored classic of the teenage film. That's what really got me, and especially what was immediate was like the, the Hunter S. Thompson element was my initial magnet, even just reading the title. Um, and then, yeah, it's got this dark element. It's got this noir investigation movie element, and it's, it's different. It's not, it's not run-of-the-mill. How about you guys, Zoe? Well, I mean, I, I love teen movies because who doesn't love teen movies? But what I like about this film is that it takes everything like one notch like bigger and better than every other teen movie. A little darker than everything else goes. A little, you know, a little raunchier than other teen movies go. So it was just, you know, like a little twinge off, which is, which is what I like about it. Yeah, like Ezra said, the writing when I first read the script was uh, incredible and you know, you read so many uh, terrible scripts <laughs> as actors, and um, it was just, there was never a dull moment. Every word, you know, lifted off the page, and uh, it was slightly darker. Uh, and, and specifically for my character, I played the antagonist, uh, Gavin Riley. He, he usually, the asshole punk uh, uh, jock, he's usually, there's always a cliche, there's, he's always just corny or cheesy, and... In fact, he was uh, really emotionally complex and fun. A little more dimension uh, yeah, there. So it yeah, was cool. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, James, did you audition to play one of these roles originally, or? 
No, I was offered it, which was very exciting because I've played uh, a lot of characters who are sort of in, inward and sort of internal. And uh, to play an adult authority in a teen movie was a big, uh, a big deal for me. I think I've wanted to do that for a long time, uh, which is a very different sort of extroverted, you know, energy. Did you have any models for uh, the well, character? Just following in the great tradition of Jim Belushi and Ray Walston as, you know, to play the principal. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned Hunter Thompson, obviously. The, you know, the title and uh, the subject matter certainly makes us think about it when we're watching it. Is that someone you kind of, uh, you know, did you study him at all or look at, you know, documentaries about him to, to prepare for the role? Are you laughing because this is the question everyone asks you? No. No, no actually, uh, but it's, it's just funny because I've, I've been for other reasons, researching Hunter S. Thompson since, like, eighth grade, and I'm, I'm sort of obsessed. I'm sort of a fanatic. His, his words and his philosophy and his spirit, it's all poetry um, to me. So, th yeah, yeah, all of those things. I've seen the movies and, and read the books, and I'm a Hunter fanatic. And it, it, it was, for me, a big, a big part of this. So channeling him maybe just a little bit, or? Well, just, I mean, this kid names himself Gonzo for a reason. He lives by that philosophy. You, you propel the story. You self-dramatize. You make yourself into some sort of monster, some sort of character that can then, you know, create an antithesis to some sort of static status quo, or just involving yourself in the story to tell a true story, a very certain type of true story. And that's... Hunter S. Thompson certainly took it too far. I mean, that's the idea behind it, is to take it too far. And so that's, that's kind of what, what Gonzo does, too, in the true spirit. Um, I think Zoe even said that this film sort of takes some of those things we've seen in two movies, turns them up a little bit. One thing, as I was watching it, that I really sparked to is, as someone who did not... You know, I grew up in the era of, like, 90210. That's what was on... When I was in high school, that was on TV. And I didn't look like anyone on 90210, and it, hurt, it, it affected me in a very sign of profound psychological way. I'm being yeah. deadly serious. Like, yeah. we're, we're agreeing and, with you. Right, right? And I'm watching, and this is the first 90210 now, not the new one, and um, I'm watching this movie, and I go, These are, there are kids in this movie who look like I looked in high school, and I wonder if for you that was something that uh, you kind of did with uh, great intention. Can you talk about cats in the film? Yeah, absolutely. We really wanted to do, uh, you know, if, if Ed Gelbinovich, who plays Shneeman, was there, he would tell you that he had uh, experiences like there's a kid in the movie who really gets bullied and, and uh, uses the paper sort of for his own vengeance. But when Eddie came in, we talked about how he really couldn't go to a normal high school in Brooklyn. It was, it was too intense for him. And that this would be a way for him to, you know, kind of take that on and, and show it in the movie and be brave for all the kids out there who, you know, we got a real Schneeman. We didn't get a fake Schneeman. We got a lot, a lot of actors coming in with, you know, wearing glasses with a shirt. And you're like, you're cool. Get out of here. You know, I know you're faking it. Um, and, you know, it, it, for each character, there was something special that connected them to the role. You know, our, our Ming-Na, um, who is uh, an Asian-American girl who is almost invisible in the school. No one even knows if she can speak English. And she has such a reservoir of rage inside her. And we could not find this girl. We got a lot of like uh, musical theater, you know, kids coming in. And Stephanie Hong worked for our casting director at the desk and was always in a hooded sweatshirt, skulking around. And we said, why don't you read it? And just this bile came out of her. And I said, I need you so badly. You know, so it was, it was make it real. You know, in our, our horny Rob, we have a, a, 
a guy, a kid in the movie who um, is really the Don Juan of the slightly less attractive girls. You know, he wants a lot of girls and figured if he set his sights a little lower, he was going to score a lot. And we could have gone like with a Jonah Hill type, but you know, Griffin Newman came in and he just had a spark to it that was interesting. And, and we wanted also, sometimes you go to a high school movie and you're like, they're good looking, they're fun, and they're 31 years old. You know, you get that feeling. Yes. And I, and I really... Like Grease, yes. Yeah. Another like, movie like from Grease. That guy's like 40 years old. Hey, you John Travolta. Uh, Not just the men, the women too. The women too. Tucker Channing is yeah. like 38 years old she's 38 in that movie. Years old. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's He's going a little bit gray in high school. But yeah, we wanted them to look, look and feel like real kids. It was a definite choice. Now you definitely accomplished that, so uh, cool. well done. Now, in terms of, you know, obviously you guys all said the script, fantastic, and you really wanted to be a part of it. I'm wondering, on the set, you know, during the days, are there ever moments, obviously you guys are closer in age to your characters than this gentleman here, was there ever any moments that you guys discussed that were like, I don't know that a kid would do this, or I don't know that I would say this, or... You're I, behind the times, Brian. The yeah. kids aren't saying yeah, this see? anymore. Exactly. This isn't the jive anymore. Right. Ben, some Ben Hecht stuff in the... He did it exactly like that, and I hit him with a bat. Every day. Yeah. You were watching a lot of the front page. No? no? I was actually really impressed with the lingo, I must say. I thought that it was... Brian was on it. There was no... Uh, we didn't really have hang any... Out, hang out in high schools and stuff a lot, still. <laughs> just sit in the mall food court, just with, like, a tape recorder, just going. No, we, we, since we had done it so long ago, and we did it a different way, I went and I interviewed a lot of kids and talked about how they would do it you know, in, in today and what the conflict would be if he wanted to do a newspaper and Evie's character wanted to do it as kind of on the, on the web. And, you know, we got into it and we found the voices of the kids. And hopefully there's not that much difference between kids when I was a kid and now. You know, that's the idea. Brian has crazy, constantly shocking knowledge of youth culture. Like, I'd come in and be like, Brian, you've got to hear this new band and some obscure thing. And he'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. <laughs> I'm their agent, actually. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Um, another thing that I really enjoyed about the movie, I'm telling people all the things I liked about it, but that all the more Please reason for them continue. to go, all the more reason for them to go see it. Um, and again, this may be dating me a little bit, is that you know the um, the parents in the movie, again, sort of in the way that the you know the sort of jock character in a lot of these movies can be sort of just like the two dimensional jerk. The parents in this movie are not just like stifling you, like you know, go to your room, young man, you know, and, and I really appreciate that. Maybe you, can you have two great actors as well in that, those roles. You can talk about uh, creating those parts, and I want to hear about, you know, working with those guys as well. Well, we had two just stone-cold pros. You know, Campbell Scott and Amy Sedaris are in the movie, and they came in, you know, they, uh, they brought things to the role that you couldn't, couldn't imagine, you know, and their chemistry was incredible, and... Uh, yeah, it, we really tried to do something a little bit different with those characters, and, and we hope we succeeded. But it was, it was an absolute pleasure to shape the roles with these guys, because they definitely had opinions and ideas, and, you know, it was cool. How about working with those guys, Ezra? Amazing. Um, Amy Sedaris is one of the funniest people I've ever met. Campbell Scott is one of the most honest and just, like, truthful and just veteran actors uh, I've ever worked with and uh, working with both of them it, w it really I think was like a grounding yeah. experience um, in terms of like the scope of the movie we did it sort of at towards the end yeah. and it was like after you know flying off the rails for for three weeks um, to work with them it just like really brought it down to earth and and they they just they played those characters real I mean yeah. and yet so hilarious you know you, 
you've had some interesting uh, on-screen parents already in your career. Other right, Andy Garcia is that right? Yeah, Andy Garcia and Julianne Margulies. Julianne Margulies. And now you've got Campbell Scott and yeah, and, and then, uh, Amy Sedaris. Tomorrow in the premiere, I got I got we have Schreiber going on. But I'm, I'm you have excellent collecting. on-screen genetics in yeah. all of these films. Oh, and then and then the the next one coming up is Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley. Wow! I take their hair and I put it on a shelf. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what to say to that. I was, uh, was a little uncomfortable. Sorry about that, guys. Um, lost control. I, I'm sure when you guys are doing, um, you know, like interviews and stuff for this movie, one of the things that people are going to want to talk about because they're, you know, they, they're in the business of doing interviews, they work for newspapers, is the whole newspaper element of the movie. Zoe, I think you have the line that's like, newspapers are dead. I'm sure you're going to have people wanting to talk to you about that and like, do you think, do you think newspapers are dead? And, and I wonder, has that happened so far when you guys are starting to do press for the film? Yeah, it has. And I'm, I just wonder how you guys sort of felt about that whole aspect of the film and whether it, you know, you, you, you sort of, as you were making it, you know, all three of you guys, what your sort of thoughts were about that aspect of it. Well, I think it's a very appropriate question to ask uh, at the, in Apple, the Apple store. store. I know when I walked in through the thing of iPads, I was thinking <laughs> that as well. Um, you know, there definitely is a battle between the two, and they both have a lot to offer. You know, I love you know modernity. I love having a computer and access. We have everything at our fingertips. Um, but there's also something really special about something being, you know, written on paper, something you can ha like hold in your hands, and something that can be destroyed. I think the paper was probably more important to your character, though, you know, because yeah, you I... you were just this diehard journalist who really needed something. You wanted. He you wants know. the tangible right. paper, and you're like you're 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 looking forward to the internet, right? It's that romantic. There's you know the thing that's lost is mostly like this romantic ideal of the newspaper and the newspaper writer and hot off the press and all of that, you know. Any other thoughts about that, Jesse, that aspect of the yeah, film? Because you're mean, like the editor. You know, this is like your territory, too, yeah, your character's no, territory. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought what definitely helped was that there was the, you know, obviously that element that we have, the online thing, too, because it is inevitable as we get older, uh, you know, where technology is just growing and growing. And um, it was an important part of the film to have both. Um, uh, also, because there was a lot of footage that was taken, there's a, a main storyline plot that goes on in, with her character that um, you see online. There's some footage that gets leaked out. Um, and uh, it was definitely an important part of the film, for sure. Did you want to add something? Yeah, Brian? I mean, the thing, the thing about newspapers, too, is that they make, they make time stand still for a second. You know that the news is mutating every 10 minutes online. You know, if you get a cup of coffee with your newspaper, that news is going to stay on the page for a minute. It's a way to just mark an event, to mark time for a second before it changes. And I think things just move too quickly, you know, and I think a newspaper is a solid thing. And uh, I think it's going to be missed, because I, I think it is going. There's also something classically dramatic about the shot of the stack of newspapers tied in a little mm, piece of it's twine. true, and someone cutting down. the... Absolutely. Great shots like that and sweet smell of success, you know. It's like, the new edition, funk! And uh, there isn't that sort of percussive equivalent for that dramatically, they're just like right. clicking on a And again, the, uh, on your way out, you can pick up your iPad on the yeah, way out. Yeah, pick up the Make iPad. Make sure you do Wait, that. are Make you sure, serious? Make sure you do that. I'm not if, not if, you can pay, you have to, we'll, we'll, yeah, talk, we'll later. talk later. This is all a gifting suite, uh, Zoe, for the actors. Correct. You can take anything you want. We'll talk later. 
you're, you guys have kind of an interesting relationship too, Jesse and, and James on screen. Your characters, you know, there's, I feel like there's something kind of unsaid there. The, the sort of, because when, when Ezra's character is getting in trouble and he has to go see the principal, he's always there. Just kind of lurking. He and is standing there like Haldeman or something. Next right, to me, yeah. right. There's like he's almost like the puppet master in somewhere where even though he's the student and you are the principal, I'm wondering what you know. Did it's you guys dis- like Greg Marmalard and Dean Wormer in Animal House? Yeah, exactly. Although exactly. I, I think of I think my character thinks of him as a good guy. I don't really see the darkness underneath. I'm sort of like, what's wrong with him? Why don't you want to work with him? He's great. He's something you should aspire he to. He runs a fine paper. And I don't get, cause him any headaches, you know. My character just follows the rules, and he's doing everything he should just to cause him less uh, of a headache. And, and his character is exactly the opposite, and you start to see him deteriorate throughout the movie. Um, but, yeah, and, of course, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a bit of a brown nose with him in general throughout the film. And, uh, yeah, it, there's, a scene, <laughs> there's a scene where... Uh, he comes into the office, and we're telling him that he can have his newspaper, but we're going to fund it, and I, he, right. I have to supervise. Right, but it's and we. He, it's not him. It's we. Yes, we. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a funny part of the movie. Yeah. It must be – I mean, it's just, like, so perfect to see your character sort of, like, rage. Like, who wouldn't be pissed off? Yeah. So he kind of ruins his senior year. Yeah, exactly. In a big way. Was there, was there anything more that, like, between those characters that was sort of that was in your head that you didn't need, that was sort of subtext to those These characters? Two, absolutely. Well, I think that, that he has two very famous older brothers in the school, Marcus and Sean. And the, the Riley family has made the principal look good for years and years and years. And I, also, and I also think the Rileys have been big financial contributors to the school. This is a family, this is a family that Principal Roy needs to service. And when he starts to drive this kid crazy, I think there are pressure from the family and squash this rebellion on many levels is the way I saw it. Maybe that would have been good direction to give, uh, but it's a little too late well, now. Like, is it too late to do a, a reshoot? I think that was there anyway. Was, I think it was I think, they, I think they pulled it off anyway. Yeah. I came up with a verb. I forget what it was. <laughs> Smush, I think. Is um, let's, uh, let's see if the, anyone in the audience has any questions. Yes, sir. Okay. You can't touch the microphone, sir. Don't, don't you dare touch the microphone. It's a very, ex- it's a very expensive microphone. Uh, you know, I, I was a very interesting point that I guess you brought up. Uh, there's additional footage, I guess, where there's a side story on your additional actor. Exactly how did that idea come about? I'm curious to know. You know, you saying I guess there's oh, footage the, in terms on other of characters uh, uh, that comes out on the web. What yeah, what the you're gonna have to come pay for the see, see the movie, man. Oh. Well, here's the thing, is that so many things leak out on the web and, you know, and, and really hurt people. There's so much information out there, and it can be used as a weapon. You, know? you, you can take anything with your iPhone. You can, there we go, Apple Store. I'm looking at all the who's, yeah. they're not supposed to be recording. I'm checking you know, to make you can, sure. You can film an incident, and all of a sudden, you, you can have an embarrassing night. It used to be you can have an embarrassing night and sleep it off. Now someone can film it on their phone. It's all over YouTube. You can't live anything down anymore. And, you know, Zoe's character, Evie, has one bad night, and it, and it lives on in many incarnations. And he, he's got a little weapon that he can deploy. Uh, if he feels hurt or he feels threatened, he's got a bomb, and he detonates it. And it hurts. It hurts her bad. And it really causes a rift in that relationship. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of the way that that media can be, you know, used as a, as a retaliatory force. Questions? More questions from the, uh, the audience? 
Yep. Oh. I have, we have a hand over here. There's a microphone that you should not touch. Don't touch the microphone. Oh, wait, he's oh, letting he's you touch it. it. Oh, God. Oh, my Come God. On, man. This is an outrage. Yes, sir. This is just a very simple personal question. Ezra, what do your parents do? Uh, my mother's a modern dancer, and my father's a book publisher. I met your mom last night at the premiere, and she's a fantastic person. And dancer. She was there. dancing all night. And we night. have she a friend in common the from the downtown. I dance challenge world. any of you to take my mother on in a dance-off. Wow. The it's gauntlet, it will be brutal. Back. The gauntlet has been thrown. Be she wants to do Ooh, it. Ooh, you're in trouble. Martin Miller is coming oh, for you. Oh, it's trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have a question right here. So, did you say you actually, when you were growing up, you were in New York? You grew up in, in yeah, New York? Yeah, this was in Belmore, Long Island, on the, on the North Shore. So, and you filmed this in New York, right? We filmed it at a school called Poly Prep in Bay Ridge. Right. Uh, so, how was filming in New York, and did you enjoy the incentive? Oh, we love the incentive. We couldn't have made the movie without the incentive. For sure. I was going to say, that sounded like much. a very loaded Bam. question. We like Bam. you. Well phrased. Very subtle. Thank you. Wow. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> any, uh, any additional questions? Do we have any other? Oh, there's... Uh, well, I, I kind of write a little bit on the... Uh, I have blogs and I work uh, as an intro for a magazine right now, which I'm not allowed to say, say a name. Um, but my question is... We're talking about um, the new space for dying. Uh, but my problem is, like, we're just thinking about the big names like New York Times, The Post. But what if uh, we talk about an evolution of news, not, as, not just only as a, something we can, we can touch, but something that we can always get the information for? Uh, so my point is, do you really think that newspapers are dying or just the big names in, making, in order to make a room for new names? Like, uh, I don't know, like, Gizmodo.com, like Engage.com, which, or any other uh, online blog that really reports, which is the point of uh, all this, just make, making the information getting across to the public. Well, here's the difference to me between the newspaper and, and, and some of the online stuff, is that newspapers have you know, fact checkers, they have a process they have to go to to determine at least a little bit, is this, are the facts verified, is the story true? It feels like you go online, it's the wild, wild west. You know, there's nothing, nobody you really have to answer to. And I think that's one of the things that's a problem about it. Um, and uh, so are they going to replace the New York Times? I mean, the New York Times tries hard to, to give you a version of the news that at least has some validity. Uh, I hope it doesn't go away. But, you know, there's a, I think it's going to be interesting and maybe dangerous. But we'll see. At the same time, on the flip side of that coin, um, I think the, the death of the paper is bad, but also it's important to remember that there are ways to validate information on the internet. And I do agree that we're talking in concern about the paper dying, but I do see potential for this to mean an evolution in news because there's less control of information. I mean, anyone can write anything and can validate it with sources that they can pull up and post right there. And there, there are a lot of websites where you can get alternative perspectives. Like which... Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. Like Wikipedia. It's a fine Engage.com is a good example. Infoshop. Like, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's a... It's a little it, generational strife right in the, within the film. No, I hate right you now. too. I hate you more. <laughs> so, yes. And the, we have a question over here now? Okay, great. You can doesn't doesn't oh, want to stand up. All right. All right. I will. All right. My question is um, how long did it take you to shoot the movie and what was the budget for it? Mm. 
Everyone wants to know the budget. Uh, Craig Cohen, where are you? Craig? That's the producer. Uh, we shot it in 24 days, and we still haven't paid for it, so I can't really answer that question. <laughs> the, the, the bills are still accruing interest as we speak every month. Yeah, come on. Craig Cohen, everybody. Round of applause, our producer. Boy, has he suffered. Craig? Hi, I'm Craig. Um, we are a low-budget film, um, and really what we tried to do was take all the resources that we could get our hands on and put it up on the screen. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. Um, also, we've been instructed by our sale, sales agent not to say what the budget is, so I could tell you, but I have to kill you. Um, so that's basically it. But I think, you know, we, we, were, we had very generous executive producers. Uh, we had a limited budget. Um, uh, and the movie looks great. And it's, it's really due to these great performers and Brian's job and, and a, a really a wonderful group of, of artists in our design team. Uh, any other question over here? Oh, question over here. Yes. Hi. Hi to the panel. It's nice to meet y'all. Uh, very good. Interesting fam. Um, Zoe, this is to you. Would you ever be interested in making a picture with Lisa Bonet, your mother? No, I hate her. Okay. <laughs> you plan to make any more pictures for the future? I am, yeah. I'm, very I'm good. I'll be looking working. forward to seeing each and every one of you. Thank you very nice much. Nice to meet y'all. Additional question. Oh, we have another question over here. Hi, um, my name is Ishmael. Um, this question is for Director Brian. Um, I just want to know, like, what's the challenge for you um, to work with those four people, those in intelligent actors and stuff? Um, Jesse McCarthy, I'm a huge fan of your music and stuff like that. And um, I just want to know, again, like, how much fun do you have when you walk back then with um, Ronaldo DiCaprio on Basketball Diaries and now on this project? It's, it's the pleasure of making a film. You know, it, it, you take something on paper and you collaborate. Each, each person you work with adds to the story. Whoever you cast, that's the destiny of the character. They have things that they bring to it from their lives, from their personalities. And it's, it's really incredible, you know. Um, everybody, everybody that's sitting up here brought their heart and soul to this. You know, I mean, really, you can't just go halfway. You really have to commit yourself. And uh, it was interesting because Leonardo was very young then and, and he... He went for it, you know, and that's the thing is you have to jump off that cliff. You, have, you can't watch yourself. You can't, you can't judge what you're doing. You have to be private. You have to have a private moment with a camera in your face and crew people all around, and it's got to feel like you're alone in a room having fun or being in pain, and, and that's a special skill, and these are special people. You know, I can write it, but I don't, have to, I don't have to embody it. I don't have to do it. These guys have to make it real and make it believable, to convey that feeling so that when you watch it, they're like athletes. I mean, it's, it's really a, an incredibly difficult thing. Uh, and the process with Jesse was, was super interesting because, um, you know, Jesse has a certain public image and it's something that we discussed, which was how do we take that and let people think one thing and then sort of explode it and do something different with it. And that was really super brave. And he went all the way. He didn't say, I want to I wanna wink to the audience and say, I'm still that guy that that you know. He said, I'm going to show you a new guy. I'm going to show you something about me that you don't know. And that's the surprise of working with really gifted performers, is that they, they surprise you. You think you know and you don't know. And that's what it should be for the audience, too, you know? Was that uh, something going in from the outset, Jesse, that you were Well, certainly. To do? And, you know, it was sort of like the, an actor's dream working on this film, having the relationship that we had with Brian, our director. The first three days I was in 
New York, he came over to my apartment. We were drinking beers and we were going ripping this like pages out of the script and going over everything and uh, just tearing things apart. And and he made me better. And I think he made all of us better. And uh, you know, it's it's so so important to have that sort of relationship with the the guy who's running everything on set. And uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was. You got to trust each other or it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't you work know? Yeah. One thing that's true is that sets and everybody working, for some reason the attitude, because it's such a hierarchy, it's always dictated by the director. And Brian made this such a beautiful experience for each and every person involved, from like, you know, us to producers to extras. He, he was just like there for people. And, and it was... That's, that's what made this wonderful. Our, our last uh, question mentioned, you were addressing the Basketball Diaries, which you were screenwriter of. There's some, I mean, obviously very different in terms of tone, but there are some similarities between the two. You know, the setting, both, you know, private schools and kind of self-destructive teenagers and stuff. Is that, was that something you were conscious of at all? That it was in a way that you could, you know, kind of exploring a different side of a similar material or anything in there that you really are particularly drawn to in terms of your writing that you really like to write I just, about? I just think when you're a teenager, and you know, Ezra's a real teenager right now, but I, when you're a teenager, you feel things so strongly. You know, if you, if, when you have your first kiss, you don't think anybody's ever been kissed ever. You know, you, know, you hear the first time you hear the Beatles, it's like you discovered rock and roll. Everything is, everything is so fresh and so explosive in your in your heart in your life that it's fun to write that age because it's it's a crazy time you know and i think that they're both about kids who can who can get through life in a more conventional way and probably do well but they have a mechanism inside them that needs to blow it up you know they're born bent and they can't quite live straight uh and i those people interest me you know if i'm if i'm good for too long i get nervous you know you gotta you gotta shake it up a little any additional questions? Right oh, over here. We do, over here. Okay. I'm allowed to hold this? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I just, I think you made a remarkably compelling and dynamic and very special film, but I'm a little bit biased because I know you. My question is really about the process. Um, you know, the movie business is exactly that. It's a business. And everybody sitting up there has been in big movies and small movies. They've been on stage singing or doing theater. Um, I wonder if you could talk about the process of making an independent movie, um, what it's like to both be behind the camera and in front of the camera when you are making a movie that is going to be shown at a festival. And so love to hear about that process and also about being part of Tribeca, which I think we all really hold dear. Well, I'll start and I'll, and I'll drive it down there. But I, I think that an independent film has to be willed into existence. If, if, you, if you don't want to put your life on the line for it, if you don't want to say to people, no, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it, it's, ne it's not going to happen. Nobody cares. You, you have to care because it's generally not going to make anybody money for the most part. Um, and this was, I've done a lot of work for a lot of people. I'm a writer for hire. I, I do a lot of stuff. And I wrote this script, and I just said, I don't want to sell this. I don't want it to be a script on a pile. I, I, this, this needs to be a movie. And it became a quest. I mean, uh, Craig Cohen, the producer, was uh, my friend since I'm eight years old. He was the, the music writer on the Underground newspaper. We've been through this, that experience together. And uh, making this movie was a lot crazier than that. And uh, you have to care. It has to be more important than... Than, than money, than career advancement. That's not what it's about. It's about you're burning to tell this story, and it becomes an obsession. And, and without that will, it just doesn't get done. 
And, it, 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 you know, you get to be like Ahab with the whale, you know? And uh, here we are. And that's kind of a big factor of what makes independent film so great. It's almost like a filtration process. People have to be really have that level of resilience. And for me, it's, it's my favorite thing because then you get on set and it's a bunch of artists who are all honed in their craft that want to be there and are doing this together. We're going to make something and it's exciting and there's no one, you know, over your shoulder telling you, well, there are tons of people over your shoulder telling you you can't, but it doesn't matter because you're just all there together and you're doing it. Um, which is also kind of the funnest and easiest part that actors just get to sort of jump into while they're fighting tooth and nail. <laughs> and being a part of Tribeca is unbelievable. You know, I, I remember I was a freshman in high school uh, <laughs> for 9-11. When 9-11 happened, I was sitting in my English class and it was a very strange day, obviously. And um, I couldn't think, I mean, it's just the idea of it, just bringing filmmakers together and, and artists together uh, you know, that are established and also, um, you know, up and coming uh, was just a great way to kind of bring New Yorkers together. I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up here and I live in Los Angeles. And, uh, yeah, I miss it here, man. And, and we came down here and, and it's just surreal and overwhelming. And now we're sitting in the center of it all in Tribeca and it's like the one of the premier movies here. And it's like, it's overwhelming. We, you know, and we, we really are just truly honored to be a part of it. James, you've made uh, you know plenty of independent films, you know, from you know during your career. Can you talk about what it's like now, maybe as opposed to kind of some of those? It's now like the golden age of you know American independent cinema. Yeah, from like it's always been kind of a similar experience. It's just more intimate, I guess. You know, you're like you'll find yourself in a small van driving somewhere, and the director will be in the van with you, which doesn't happen when you're working with some big shot directors. It's, I, I don't begrudge them their own transportation, but it's just this, there's an immediacy and everyone, it's like the playing field is quite literally leveled, not just psychologically. Everyone's got the same limited food and the same limited waiting areas and the same limited transportation and everyone's just there to do this thing and, uh, you know, so there's a kind of nice intimate family quality to doing the, these kind of films that I like, yeah much more egalitarian, sort of the opposite of the situation in the film where, and, you know, I think it speaks to the story in the film doesn't just speak to newspapers, I'm sure, you know, I wonder as like a screenwriter working for hire, you know, that idea of someone who's going to block your idea or change your idea, I'm sure it resonates with you in that way as well. Absolutely. I mean, when you're hired to write a, a movie or a TV show, you, you, they own your intellectual property. They change it, and if you don't want to change it the way they want to change it, there are 20 writers who will change it that way. It's a very competitive business, and you have to do what you have to do to survive. And Ezra, what Ezra mentioned was the most wonderful thing was to not have a studio dictating to us and that we could let the movie become what it was. And uh, that was probably the greatest pleasure, is to get into the editing room and just answer, for better or worse, answer the, the, creative, the creative place it was going. And just to be free, you know? It, it was the best. Yeah, so, yes, guess yep. our last question. Oh, right last now. question. All right. Hi, and this is Shukla, and I have a question for these teenage actors, and I'd like to ask that how far these movies change you as a person, because you also play as a teenage guys, and how far does it like did there do this movie change you, or if yes, then how far does it change you? 
yeah, this was the, the, making this movie was a super super pivotal experience um, for me, and I think it was in many ways an answer. Uh, this movie felt like an answer to a lot of a lot of like questions through my early adolescence that I was dealing with and struggling with. There was just like this sort of you know what what a what a teen movie does hopefully is put sort of like a ribbon around that condition and to to have that to was yeah it cer it certainly changed me this was it was deeply satisfying um because it felt like i was answering questions Zoe, you want to i mean i think as an artist anything you do should change you and if it doesn't then i don't know you shouldn't be doing it um, you know, the people you meet, the experiences you have, the character that you're playing, you know, you're, the process of playing a character is exploring something and asking questions and trying to answer those questions through your performance. So, you know, everything that I, that I do, I hope changes me, and this definitely did. Jesse, any final thoughts? Any, yeah, you want to uh, yeah, I mean, chime in? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, a, a movie like this, I think also uh, something that we didn't really touch in on is... A film like this, I think, is also very relevant in today's world with everything going on um, in the schools and with uh, the bullying factor. And it sounds so cliche, but I mean, people are literally killing themselves over the teen angst and the pressure. And there's a moral lesson in this film, a big one, and it's like the golden rule. It's just no one's going to win if you can't uh, look out for one another or just kind of do the right thing, you know? And you kind of learn in this story, nobody really wins. Like, and uh, nobody wins that way. And um, so that's something that I really took out of this picture. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was just, a, again, a pleasure and an honor to, to be a part of it. Well, it was a pleasure and honor talking to you guys today. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you, guys you guys so much for coming. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Guys, one more round of applause for the cast of Beware of the Gonzo. Thank you very much for coming. <clears throat> Just a quick reminder, guys, apple.com forward slash retail forward slash Tribeca has the full schedule of events coming up. And now it's on your iPhones and iPads as well. We have a Tribeca app available for free in the iTunes store. So search Tribeca and you'll be able to download that. Guys, thank you very much. We have something every night. Have a safe and wonderful evening.